0: Welcome to the Better Future podcast series brought to you by Driven by Design Award programs. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design, and joining me is...
1: Kirsten Mann. I'm Global VP of Product Experience for Oracle's Construction and Engineering Global Business Unit. This podcast series is a special series where we focus on design in the boardroom. It's a series of in-field recordings and live panels with design giants from around the world. And we discuss how boards are leveraging design to accelerate economic outcomes. In other words, how is design being managed up, down and across the organization. In this episode, Mark and I take time to reflect on what we've learned, experienced and explored in the 40 conversations about design in the boardroom.
0: So Kirsten, this has been an amazing, amazing thing that we've gone and done.
1: It is, and I have to say we came into this with a few assumptions and preconceived ideas, which is natural in the design of anything, right?
0: Absolutely, and I suppose I suppose it was the fact that we were prepared to go and set up a framework or an environment that then encouraged people to help clarify to us and we were prepared to listen, which is a very good design practice. We weren't trying to drive it. We were trying to listen.
1: But let's – on that point – what, let's just start with what were we trying to do with this series?
0: Well, I know when I started it, I realized that I was speaking to a lot of people who I saw that were accelerating. And then four times a year, I was traveling around the world, meeting those people, and I wasn't doing enough about socializing that out. And then I know with conversations that we'd shared when we were doing the Now Design Awards podcast on a monthly basis, that we were realizing there was knowledge that we had that we weren't doing enough about sharing. And so I thought, why don't we try something that helps to capture those conversations and then get some diversity so that people realize that everyone is still working on their methodology?
1: But we were also, I think, trying to see if there was some formula there. Well, was there something that was making certain organisations better at this than others? Yeah,
0: I suppose. And, and maybe that's uh, – I'm, I'm a long way down the track from from that position because of, because of this experience over mm-hmm. the last uh, three months with it. What did surprise me, about halfway through, I went from saying is it X or is it Y, X being is it about – management consultancies, is Is it about um, something which is rigorous and saying, yeah, that's an appropriate position as a playbook for people. But then I was seeing so many examples of people who were taking more of the – more like a legal practice, which is a contextualized understanding. People like Nike, Mm -hmm. um, Adidas, New Balance, who were just at this elite level because they were taking their professional expertise, deep immersive contextual understanding and then permission – from their sponsoring client to do something courageous and learn from it rapidly.
1: Well, and that's where we also had, we had some fantastic um, conversations, Turi is one that comes to mind, where they've actually packaged up a framework around this and around that thinking frog design have, where... To kind of articulate the different levels of maturity an organisation goes through, we saw this with Envision coming out as well, the Envision maturity matrix, but I think Turi gave us some fantastic insights into how they've evolved down that framework as well.
0: Yeah, and, you know, if we go through some of the other um, conversations we've had, Dan Formosa is famous for saying in the Masters of Branding program, what they do is that the, he sees the people who have the quality of question are the ones who go further and faster. It's not the quality of of their, say, uh, dexterity on Adobe tools.
1: Well, And this, so this is a really, I think it's kind of you've just hit the nail in terms of really what the crux of all of this have seen. We've seen the ones that are successful. For what really doing this, are problem solvers slash questioners. They're questioning and really agitating in some ways against the status quo. Yeah,
0: and I think if you, you know, go right back to the beginning at Pause Fest, where we had Laura Anderson on, on the stage with uh, yourself, myself, Harriet Wakelam, and we also had uh, Andy Hoyne come to join mm-hmm. us, but between Andy and Laura, so Laura just gave this Here's how you go sell to somebody, and then working out who was your buyer, but even in talking about it at a board level. Yeah. You know, who has to buy this concept?
1: And then Andy came in with his beautiful content around. I never talk about design. How do I right? sell design? I like, never talk was, about which, it. Which was kind of. a, We had a room just to give some context at Port Fest. There was a lot of designers in that room as well. Obviously, Port attracts designers. And his opening, he was, I never actually talk about design to clients. And it was a bit of a drop the mic moment for people, right? But what he talks about is in terms of the business outcomes that they're trying. The board is trying to achieve, and that's how he gets. His design message across eventually, but he talks in the language of the board.
0: And then when we went across to the Melbourne Design Week panel that we had with uh, Roger Simpson, yourself and, and Grant Davidson, and Roger was talking about the Design to Thrive program and how they're taking these companies who are, they've hit a plateau and they want to go work out what that next leap is. And how they've gone into a, a design-centric model to actually work out how do you solve your customers' needs, mm. not just serve your customers. And yes. that's an interesting, interesting program. It's back problem
1: solving, right? It
0: is. So um, then we have Matteo Bologna. Like, oh. oh my God! How <laughs> that was honest. a pretty
1: crazy interview. Now, <laughs> if people haven't heard that, I think it was the one that we laughed the most in. It, by the way, it is,
0: and uh, and I've got to think. You know, when I'm thinking about it, it was I was I'm well and truly used to Mateo's uh, demeanor. <laughs> I, when I listened back to it, I thought, he's got you. It's almost like you're a, a, in an audience at a comedy show because he was just breaking us up all the time. But he, being- he
1: was brutally honest. Oh. And that was, that's so, it was so refreshing where he was like, I think some people, especially at these levels and everything, it's like, it's all show. Like it's, hey, we've got this all nailed. And he was, he exhibited to me that this is about being a lifelong learner as well if you're serious about being design leadership you're a lifelong learner and he was like we still haven't nailed this we're still learning and then
0: and then, when the interview that I went and did with Eddie O'Para at uh, Pentagram and so what, what I found the most exciting thing about that interview with Eddie was we were talking about the different size of organisations and the different personality and I'll come back to the sporting thing you, can, you might want to pick up the way the Dallas Cowboys go and play their game or you may want something that's breaking and a little bit Maverick, and it was more likely that Pentagram were going to do something Maverick rather than Playbooked. And that's interesting what, because there's a certain amount of trust there, but I suppose people are, know which shop they're in and they're either coming for something which uh, might have a, a little bit less risk and uh, something that can go broader across an enterprise or they might be up to something which has that maverick, let's go and see if we roll this dice, what happens. And seeing we're just past the 50th anniversary of the Moonshot pro- program that JFK started off, bold ideas take us a long way.
1: Yeah. And I suppose if we're looking across the collection of interviews that we did and everything, let's, let's summarise what do you think were the four main things that are common across all of these for success and I think one that stood out for me straight away was courage
0: well I'm going to go then context and uh, the people who tried to uh, who tried to adapt organizations to a framework that existed uh, so like an I- interface change if you use these five steps it'll work we're getting less performance mm-hmm. than the people who were using a contextual,
1: Adapting uh, their framework it. to suit yeah. the organisation, yeah. and my my one around courage was we saw there were people that were really being brave in this and putting themselves both boards who were being brave and open to it, executives, but also design leaders that said, you know, I think this is the right thing and I'm going to drive this. I'm not waiting for permission, right? And this is interesting because culture, and obviously, can sometimes prevent or block people from doing this, but it's the one that actually push through and say, I know it's the right thing to do and I'm going to lead by example here.
0: Yeah, and so that, that confidence and culture comes in where if you're crossing a canyon, you want to be with a leader who's done it before and they're not actually too nervous.
1: Yeah, you want to have somebody kind of have some idea.
0: Yeah, so, so you want that confidence there. But what you also want is somebody who if you make one missed step – as you're crossing the canyon, isn't going to berate you. Yeah. And so that comes down to that. The culture... Being uh, supportive. Um, ...and supporting is such an important thing. The, the organisations that are doing that are asking people to take themselves further. I think the interview that we went and did with Ben Williams uh, yeah. from RGA... Talking about how Nike walk in and basically say, "We need even more."
1: Yeah, we're and, we're fine with the, yeah. the the. I think what we can say there is design's been totally enterprise there, right? Like it's it's a design-driven organisation. They understand the value. You're not convincing anybody. What they want design for is to push the boundary, push the next level of excellence, and that's what they're expecting. And so that would be a very different and but very exciting place that Ben's in.
0: I think the interview that I went and did with uh, us two in New York <laughs> was really interesting. So us two who come from a gaming background, uh, electronic games background, not a wagering gaming background, electronic games, and then to see how they're using that, the insights that they've got around human behaviour in changing healthcare, mm. and then... Understanding where the idea of health knowledge and health science is, and then applying the the, the layer that's missing in health is often the experience layer, which is a contextualized knowledge, not raw science. And so that was a that was a really interesting interview there and discussion because Custon was able to go into depth of the difference that they were making. And they'd worked out culturally how not to be abrasive to the medical science and how to be supportive and making deep clinical inroads, which is to me is fantastic to see.
1: But I suppose having gone through all of this, what do you know now that you didn't know at the start of this?
0: Uh, what I know now is with confidence, I can tell people that they're late. And that if they ever use the word "could," they need to change that to "is."
1: So there's kind of three levels of players in this field, I'd say. Yep,
0: and and so I, you know, I, I suppose I just jump to the elite players that mm-hmm. were there. So they are, they are doing it. So it's that yep. is design is delivering. And they're also turning around and what they're doing there is that they're accelerating and delivering all the time. So the, the distance that they've got on, on the people who are merging is phenomenal.
1: Right. So they're already out in front. What about the next group?
0: So that emerging group need to help to explain that they're late. Yeah. You know, we're in the middle of the Tour de France at the moment, and it's quite easy to see the breakaway group who get, you know, a long way ahead. I think what everybody's expecting is that the peloton's going catch, <laughs> to catch up with the breakaway. We're actually not seeing that. We're seeing those people getting further and further ahead because it's not the Tour de France, it's actually a new market, and they're stealing that first mover opportunity that's there. And then the last group.
1: It's like spectators, aren't they? They're sitting back watching.
0: Well, and actually, they're spectators who are watching an old fashioned game, mm-hmm. and they're saying, you know, this game used to be much better 20 years ago. Mm. And what they don't understand is that they've either got an old fashioned playbook, a design playbook that is, which is they think about style, not solve.
1: Yeah. There's a lot around that, wasn't there? That yeah. it's not and it isn't about style anymore, right? But-
0: the other really worrying thing is that there's a lot of people who just have an old market playbook. Yeah. And so what they're trying to do is use what I might refer to as masculine traits for their market play, mm-hmm. which is about how much I spend gets me so much of market share rather than how much do I solve that gets me the market share.
1: Yeah. And, and it's it's interesting that masculine one is interesting in the sense of it's kind of the hearts and minds approach versus gotta win and own and every cause we're dominating. Yeah. Versus are you really understanding what people need and adapting what you're doing to change behaviour.
0: Yeah. And so if you can get in there and you can work out how to solve, that's the key. And and what's interesting when you use that language is you stop talking about design. You talk about let's do a project with souls. So that takes me back to Andy Hoyne. Mm-hmm. It takes me back to Laura Anderson, which is you're trying to sell to people to take them somewhere that they wouldn't take themselves. You don't tell them that they're going to have something which they've already got a preconception, which might be incorrect. What you need to do is excite their imaginations and take them where they'd like to go on a shared vision with yourself where you want to go, solve gives you that because solve is something that just about every human wants to achieve. Mm. And it's really easy to say, well, let's go solve it in the most proven, effective, reliable method known, which is design. Mm. Because if you do what people want... You don't have to tell them that's great; they'll hear that it's great through word of mouth. So that that was fascinating. But I suppose the other th- the other preconception that came into this was the idea that it was about developing capacity. Mm-hmm. And what I what I was able to get as an outtake was, it's actually it's not about developing capacity; it's actually realizing that you have to catch up. Yeah. And because everyone thinks that, oh my contemporaries are also trying to develop capacity they haven't benchmarked that their contemporaries actually are a long way ahead of them some of them and what they'll do is they'll also take the previous dominant players not the emergent dominant players that are coming through and so it depends which values that you've got if you've got that very masculine stack of values you're going to miss this if you've got a nurturing more feminine stack of of values you're going to realize there's some people who are serving the customers and solving their needs who are about to un- overrun you.
1: So I suppose, and I know you hate doing this, but I'm going to tell you, ask you anyway, out of everybody you've spoken to, which is your favourite session and why?
0: So listen, so we've edited out the pause that I have there. <laughs> and the reason being that this is an encyclopaedia that we've delivered. No, no interview is more significant than any other. So... I'm not going to actually name any one of them. I think everybody's got an opportunity to learn out of each one of them, whether it's from the get-go with Debbie Melman mm. the pathos that's inside uh, Matteo Bologna, the... the Inspiration that's inside Ben Williams there, uh, Terry McKinley, what she so I, I can do a roll call here and just keep doing it. Whether it's Paul Priestman showing you, you know, the thirty years that he's got at Priestman Good with, uh, with doing the mass there was lots project. of
1: value in every single one. Yeah,
0: so, so so I think I think what's really good about that, and that's actually when I set up the Driven by Design Awards, I realised that if design is such a potent tool, it can't be a premiership. You can't narrow it down. You have to actually have broad-based acceptance and recognition. I'm, I'm going to
1: challenge you here, though. As hold- a designer, you've got to still have an opinion.
0: <laughs> so so my opinion is <laughs> that, there, that we have been able to capture people who demonstrate that elite position – the people who are in the forward pack. There's also people who are in the mid pack. We don't have anybody who's a spectator. And so I suppose it's then working out what's your organisation ready for. Are you ready for something that's got a bit of chilli on it or do you want something that's a bit mild? And then use the interviews that we've got here, those conversations to help you to sell that in and get that, in your organisation, that's as much as you're going to get out of me. And I know, listeners, Kirsten always tries to nail me down to the one <laughs> and she has not been successful. Even if we go out to order food, she does yeah. that. She's like, come on, make your mind up. I never get there. I'll always actually be very I,
1: pragmatic. I, I'm okay with your response on this one though.
0: But how about for you? So it's not all me trying to go and explain. How about for you, Kirsten? Because you've been on as much of a journey as I have here.
1: Yeah, and a similar type of journey. Um, takeaways as well that you've outlined. I think for me, like I really, um, every time, exactly as you said, there'd be a session and there was always an insight that you gain from that. So everything was, hey, that's actually something that um, was interesting or sometimes even confirming something you thought, but somebody has said it in a different way. Um, but I'm not going to sit on the fence. I'm going to pick a favorite here. And it was actually Turi from Frog Design because I loved hearing her journey, but I also loved um, how they're trying to help organisations on this journey as well. And to me, and, you know, she could be doing that in all variety of ways, but they're kind of trying to have a bit of a a framework which they've shared and we shared that in the podcast notes too. If anybody hasn't heard that interview, I think you've included um, that in the notes as well. But she was just – I just really loved hearing her story and also the way that she was thinking about – that and really how she went up the chain right why she wanted to be work from being just a practitioner and i say just but she was a really competent and capable practitioner but how then that wasn't necessarily creating the outcomes she was looking for so what did then she do and i think a lot of practitioners will listen to that podcast and think that's my journey potentially either i'm at different stages in that or that's where i want to go
0: yeah and i suppose so you know very early on in our cycle, she was one of the people who came out with I Solve Human Needs. Mm. It was evident from her conversations about art history, I want to understand what did this solve by changing, you know, the, the glow. She's on, been on a particular expedition which has served her, Frog, and their clients incredibly well. Yeah. But I, I feel like we'd be on a movie show and I could I, you know, yeah, I know, talk for hours, hours, hours well, about I, what else was there that exactly, was amazing. Say,
1: and look, Debbie, and there were so many things there. So I think in summary, there is so much content there for people to be able to consume but also get really different perspectives from design leaders from throughout the world and they'll form their own takeaways, right? We've already kind of touched on some of the key things here, but I really think there's an exceptional amount of insights and commentary that will be really valuable to people regardless of what stage of the journey they're on at the moment.
0: And listeners, uh, this isn't the end of our Design in the Boardroom, uh, you know, tilt. We're, we're going to do another series of these before before 2019's out. Um Probably this next series is going to be not only looking at how design the boardroom is working, but how does design the boardroom accelerate a better future for us? Uh, We've been on about a better future Mm -hmm. for a long time. We've got a good foundation here that shows the diversity. I know the 20 interviews I've already got booked up. Wow. If you want to work out how to get to tomorrow faster, that's actually going to be great for the next five generations. It's going to be a great series there. Please, if you just dropped into this episode, go listen to all the other ones there. Make sure you subscribe to Driven by Design in iTunes or on SoundCloud or fifty thousand other ways that you could go <laughs> consume it. But um thank you for your ears, for your attention and for the feedback that we get. Kirsten, thank you. And thank you to all of our people that we spoke to.
1: And thanks, Mark, for involving us. And let's be driven by design for a better future.
0: Of always.